Today on Locked On Red Wings, Sam McGilligan of McKean's Hockey joins for a draft profile of the University of Michigan's Adam Fantilli. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I'm a, I'm a podcast producer for the Daily J, a WWJ news radio podcast. Well, Scotty's a freelance journalist over for the Detroit News, as well as the host of Lockdown Tigers. Almost got that completely backwards there, Scotty. <laughs> getting into the episode. I'm a WWJ. I'm a WWJ <laughs> podcast producer for the radio. Um, I guess that technically. Yeah, it still works. It worked. Um, and we are joined today by Sam McGilligan of McKean's Hockey. How you doing, Sam? Fantastic. How are you guys? Doing pretty good. Doing so, well, man. Ready for uh, ready to start a fresh week with another draft profile, and this one's going to be a really exciting one. Not a really large shot at number two overall, but about 10.5%, um, as Adam Fantilli is expected to be pretty much consensus number two yes. overall pick in this draft. But before we get to that, I got to tell you guys that today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Sam, one, thank you again for taking the time to join us. It's been probably since last draft season. Yeah, it's been a while. On with it has, us. but thank you for having me. Always yeah. love coming on this one. I appreciate it. We love having you because you bring a lot of really good insight, which is why we thought it appropriate that you break down Adam Fantilli of the University of Michigan. He is a center. He's a left-handed center for what that's worth. Six foot two, 187 pounds, if you believe the statistics on elite prospects, because you know how sometimes that stuff's you know, not so reliable, but with the University of Michigan this year, he had 65 points in 36 games, 30 goals, 35 assists. Now, normally when we do these draft profiles, Sam, I ask the guests why they think that this would be a good fit for the Detroit Red Wings or why they think that this player is like so interesting. I don't think I have to ask that with Adam. No, you don't. Instead, I think what I'll ask is what makes him a consensus number two pick? He is... I'll one up that actually he's in any other year, a consensus number one pick. And I'm like, go back to McDavid and there's maybe three drafts where there's a competition and maybe Matthews as the only one where it's like, okay, well I'd take that guy over Fantilli and that's it. Like first last year, first 21, first and 20, probably first and 19, but Hughes was insane. Probably first and 18, but Darlene was insane. First 17, First and 14 for like, he's like, like, this is like rare. You don't get dudes like this at second. This is the only one I can think of is Jack Eichel at number two, which was yeah. like insane. And Fantilli might be better. And that's not a slight to Jack Eichel, but more so a testament to just how absurdly broken Adam Fantilli is as a, he's a video game character. <laughs> he's got the potential to be well over a point per game center that isn't just useful in the offensive zone, but is driving your play up in transition. He's driving, he's stopping transitions. He's a defensive phenom. He reads plays so well. It's insane. He has every tool you could think of. And then when it comes to the actual, you know, creating scoring chances, he's as good as how there's maybe a handful of players who have been better in the last, like, I don't know, almost decade. Like it, it's, it's absurd. Bedard Fantilli one, two is going to be like all time. People are going to look back and be like, what? the holy this shouldn't have been ha- this shouldn't be possible 
What a when talking about his skills, like obviously you just mentioned, you know, he's really good at everything. What do you think is his greatest strength or what impressed you the most at his time at Michigan? I think what like separates Fantilli, what makes him so elite, because there are bigger players who have insane hands and who have insane skating and who can be physical and get inside positioning on guys and just body them out and keep puck control. But like what keeps him a tier above is if you took away all of Fantilli's size and you just made him or let's replace a strength where he's now extremely easy to just be pushed over. He's tall, he's lanky, he can be thrown around super quickly. He will still dominate the entire game through just his hands and his feet. Nobody is still stopping him. Like He will manipulate everyone out of the way anyways. The, everything that comes with the frame is just bonus. It's like Slavkovsky went first last year because he could just body guys and protect the puck like a monster. Fantilli has all of that as well. And it's just like, oh, that's a nice little caveat to have at the end of the absolute freak he is with the puck. Like, that's what he is. He's just levels beyond everyone else. And all the size and the strength and the defensive ability and everything else is just like, okay, well, that's just more bonus. That's just extra. But it's just like everywhere you look, there's just more to like. There's no flaws, really. The only flaws, like, he sometimes just thinks he's Superman. But like, oh, no, what a flaw. (laughs) <laughs> the 18-year-old kid who is better than everyone in NCAA with, like, the greatest freshman season pretty much ever, or one of them, is sometimes carrying the puck too long. What a tragedy. <laughs> like, there's nothing else to say about it, and it's never going to be a long-standing issue. He'll go in the NHL. If it's like something doesn't work, he's just not going to be like, damn, that's all I had. I'm just going to keep doing it. He's just... He, uh, from all accounts, I haven't, like, I, I don't personally interact with the players, but from everyone that I've heard about, he's just, like, the easiest kid to work with, too. That's so, awesome. like, an NHL coach will mold him into whatever they want. You ideally want to see him go to a more modernized system and, like, not make him a pure power forward. He'll still be excellent, too. Like, you can't even screw it up. It's just, like, do you want to maximize potential? You use You focus on the skill aspect. So one thing that we have talked about with all the other guests when we're doing these draft profiles is timeline and everyone else we've talked about, we've made the assumption that the Red Wings have drafted at ninth, 10th or 11th because they have no lottery luck. But obviously when talking about Fantilli, we're assuming the Red Wings get lucky and that 10 and a half percent chance they have to jumping to two hits and they get there. What is the timeline on somebody of Adam Fantilli's skill level? next year because everyone else we've spoken about has been at least one maybe two years and like i i'm always even for fantilly i could still advocate for there's lessons to be learned away from the nhl it's not a lesson it's not a league you just jump into at 18 and like start learning lessons in it's what you're treading water you're barely holding on it's so much faster than anything these kids have ever seen but what what's he gonna do? Go back to college? He scored sixty five points as a freshman. Like that's in, <laughs> what? That's not even real. I, I I kept looking at the numbers and I remember seeing his early start and like, man, this is crazy if he keeps it up for the whole season. Then after the World Juniors, he was like, nah, screw this. I'm upping the production pace. If he played like that the full season, I think he hit seventy points, which is just like we're not even. What what do you send them back for? He's just needs to get stronger 
and faster, which happens with strength training over time. Cause he's as great as he is. He's still only 18. Yeah. And he's not even done just, developing. Yeah. He's not even close. So like you just like put him in the NHL, you get him on like the most sophisticated, like workout program you get, put him with this. I don't even want to say skating coach because the skating is so good, but you just work out the littlest, tiniest details that like a biomechanic development expert will probably pick up on and just be like, get him a little faster, get him a little stronger, and then just get him used to the league. He'll still be a good player too. Like he just thinks the game on a level that like not even NHLers see. Like he's just such a slam dunk pick. Like what Jack Eichel's rookie season is roughly what I would expect from Fantilli's rookie season give or take like that's still an insane player like i i was gonna ask too sam about that you brought it up that that possibility of him running it back with the university of michigan because we've seen that with players that especially coming out of michigan before that don't quite win the national championship and they have a good group and they want to run it back because for some reason reason no matter how stacked that university of michigan team is they always choke in the in the national uh national title playoffs so do you think that there is an avenue there where maybe he decides I want to go? He only played one year. He wants to play a second year. Yep, and it won't harm him long term. It's not a mistake. It like if anything, he just shows up to the NHL a little more ready. It's just more so that he's ready now, and you can send him back. And I'm always still going to be an avenue. Like if he goes back for another year, I'm on board with it. He becomes number one dude at Team Canada for the uh, World Juniors next year. He's best player in the NCAA by far. He's just a year of just learning to be the guy so much of this stuff is like it's not just about the skill and the size or the tools or how you use them it's all about like staying in a spot where you can consistently progress mentally Mm -hmm. as well like it's easy it to underestimate how scary it is for these guys to go up spending their whole life dominating kids and then they go up into the nhl and the defenders are just like nope took you space away threw you on your ass bye and then the puck is gone and you just turned around your other four teammates are already like rotated into their new spots and you don't even know what happened. You're just like, what the, what is happening? This is so fast. It's really, it's a lot. And people, it's really easy to underestimate that. So there's nothing wrong with just being the guy because it makes, it's easier to not doubt yourself when they show up that this is a lot of good players i wonder how often they've had their development ruined by showing up into the league too early i was a montreal fan through the bergevin era i watched all of them show up too early i watched all of them suck <laughs> not suck but everyone not live up to the expectations it's like i'm mm-hmm. i fully believe this thing and your your franchise is the one that was famous for Oh. beginning of the 2000s just letting guys over develop in the ahl and then come in and just be players like right away even though people were like well shouldn't they be on the team now or guests like it the answer was yes most of the most of the time like tatar yeah. and nyquist are the, the biggest examples of that they won that championship in the ahl in 2013 and i remember tatar was like there were rumors that tatar was about to request to trade because he was so unhappy with the fact that he wasn't playing in the nhl because he had nothing left to gain yeah, they just kept that's, signing veterans. <laughs> that's playing the game poorly, to, like drastically on the other side of things. Like it's like, okay, maybe we shouldn't be doing it like this. But there, <laughs> there's a balancing act, and it's more so just like it's never a bad idea until they're one thousand percent guaranteed to be an NHL player and have the ability to improve. Yep. So you uh, can't improve in the league because you're like six levels below your. Like if you're 
back to like struggling with fundamentals. You should don't get play in the league. Get the hell away from the league. Yeah. Uh, we got to get a quick break. We are joined by Sam McGilligan of McKean's Hockey. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation um, on Adam Fantilli. But first, I got to talk to you guys today about Game Time. Uh, game Time is an app, guys, where you don't have to pay all those obnoxious fees. I mean, you you go to, I won't say the name of other companies, but there's kind of a monopoly in the ticket industry right now. Wouldn't you guys agree? Um, game time offers you an alternative to that where you'll be able to get your tickets reliably at a lower cost. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less game time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy. So you know exactly what to expect when you arrive Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps and you're set tickets are set sent directly to your phone. So you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NHL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On NHL for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Segment two, Locked On Red Wings podcast. We're joined by Sam McGilligan of McKean's Hockey, and we're talking Adam Fantilli as the consensus number two overall pick. The Red Wings are going to need some luck to get that with the draft lottery. Scotty, you got any questions regarding Adam Fantilli? Yeah, well, I, I know that we had been talking about, like you you had mentioned when talking about his faults, kind of like how you have to be super nitpicky about it and doesn't really have any. Let's try and be super nitpicky about it and just like really try and, like is truly the only downside at Michigan was just like sometimes he gets – a little too ahead of himself and tries to do too much. Like, is that truly the only like glare, not even glaring, but like somewhat downside you saw realistically. Yeah. Like you can enter the nitpicky stage, but like, I always think once you do that, it's so dangerous. Like you can really talk yourself out of good sure. players. I mean, most people won't do it with Fantilli, right? Cause Fantilli is just like a freak of nature and like, you have to be blind, but the, I've just seen it with like other players when sometimes people go a little too with the nitpicking, you're missing like the main purpose with like what's going on with him. Like sometimes you'll see him. I find sometimes he decides he wants to pass or shoot before he makes a play. So like, I feel like beating this guy wide, pulling it inside. I know that's going to open up the lane to the far left post. And then I'm going to pass it there. And it's like, you had a shot the whole time and it's you could have maybe not scored, but you know, got a good shot off, off of it. Maybe it does go in. And then sometimes it's just like wide open passing lanes, but he's definitely tunnel visioned himself into like, no, nah, I feel like just going into the net, but this is like once a shift. Sure. A couple of times in a game, maybe it's not like anything super massive and it's sandwiched in between plays where he's just making the right read anyway. So it's like, it. it's just a, a overwhelming talent just kind of, playing around out there because he can because it's fun for them too right like it's not like strict work performance like he's just like if i'm bored playing something i'm really good at like i might start around start screwing around with something like that and i ain't even close to what he is you just get 
don't know. I feel like seeing if I can backhand carry it through everybody and then just <laughs> like see if I can put it between this dude's legs. Why not? Let's talk about uh, penalty minutes for a second here. He had 67 penalty minutes with the University of Michigan. And if I recall correctly, in a heated game against Michigan State, he ended up getting suspended um, for what they, they call it, like instigating a fight, something along those lines, because fighting is not allowed in the university in, in NCAA hockey. My question is, was that just like a heated moment does, or does he just genuinely play with an edge to him? He has an edge to him for a little bit. Um, it's not surprising. Like, it's very much just like you can't stop me anyways. And I, I like he just gets in people's heads a bit. Like, I think you, I don't know what he's saying. His mouth moves a lot sometimes when you watch them play. <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised if he's a bit of a trash talker. Um, he can get a little too over. Sometimes I've there's been a couple of trips I saw where I was like, hey, you have a lot of reach. And he's just like, I can get that puck. And he accidentally kind of trips somebody because he angles a little off or whatever. Mostly just going to be told by a coach, like, you know, don't do that. He can get a little riled up and a little too intense sometimes, but like that's something about him and Bedard. Like Bedard is the same way. Like Bedard can be a little bit of a pest sometimes. Fantilli can be a gigantic pest sometimes because he's just so big and he's just like he it's also easy for him to just push players around. Like sometimes he's just like outskilling them and he's like, What, you think you can come at me? And he just like knocks a guy away and then <laughs> maybe he goes a little too crazy with it. I've seen him two plays in particular, both kind of similar where he there was a board battle he was trying to enter and he kind of does come in a little too suspect and a little too hard and I'm like hey buddy one of them wasn't even called i was like hey that's that's a penalty like that's a blatant penalty right there but i don't view him as particularly dirty or at least what i have seen isn't particularly dirty but i have a weird sample where he's not in the box a whole lot so it's like Maybe I'm not seeing this side of it. I've only at like five or six games with him because the nice thing with Fantilli is like you made the read on the first or the second game. Mm-hmm. And then it's like you watch everyone else for the draft and you're trying to figure it out. And you're like, okay, what's the top end of the draft look like again? And you go watch Fantilli. You're like, oh, yeah, no one's even close. Never mind. <laughs> that, that's interesting. But I, I think really the only other thing I want to just ask is like clearly you're really high on him. Um, yeah. I want to know how close you do think he is not obviously he's not going number one no one's trying to say that but how close do you think that gap is between him and Bedard? it's not as large as people want it to be and the world juniors will forever make that an impossible conversation to have realistically because people are like look at it and they go well this guy scored like not a lot of points and that dude set a record and it's just like yes you're not wrong you're absolutely not wrong but Fantilli you're projecting five years down the line. And he also just kind of looked a little off that event in general, but I, but Dard would struggle in areas that Fantilli excelled in this year in the NCAA. Not that Bedard wouldn't be able to overcome said struggle. He can overcome anything that comes his way. Kid will be an absolute like surefire rock star, probably wins a heart trophy minimum. But Fantilli is like, also the type of player who you can see in heart contention down the line, maybe not through pure like art Ross scoring numbers, but he is the better two-way player. Like this is not a disputable thing in my opinion. And it can really come down to like, what do you want from your first lane center? Because Fantilli will be able to go up against every single center in the NHL and do good. But Dard will as well, but they also might be able to get some stuff off of him 
as just sure. because he's not as defensively in tune as Fantilli is. He doesn't have the tools to shut players down like Fantilli does, even if he becomes flawless positionally. It's just it's not as crazy as a gap. Like I do believe Fantilli is in his own tier above Michkov and the rest of them, and that's not a testament to how weak they are because Michkov is also insane and so it's like it's, it's absolutely stupid. But he is kind of just isolated in his own little second tier that is equivalent to like really strong first overall player, like exceptionally strong first overall player that you're happy to have who's a franchise like talent just you're like he's you detroit gets him he's your guy he's probably the best player you've had since the 90s i'm unless i'm missing something he's like better than like datsuk and zetterberg datsuk is zetterberg is like what you can expect in terms of like talent but technically theoretically he does have higher i say in air quotes potential just because of the size and the tools but i don't know if he'll end up being that level of player but at the very least he's like on that caliber so that's like the best or equal to the best player you guys have in that era since that era like he's the type of prospect who if i found out someone told me with time machines that he was a hall of famer by the way i'm like well yeah that feels fitting (laughs) like he he's uh, it's not a lock Bedard, outside of injury, Bedard is probably a lock. But, like, until he's, I guess, not a lock. But he's, like, the closest thing to, like, a lock you can find without one actually being one. Like, I couldn't envision what derails his career outside of injury. Like, I don't know a situation or understand, like, a situation where Fantilli's like, oh, he just turned out to be, like, a second-line center. It was like, this guy was crazy overhyped. If that turned out to be reality, I'd be like, man, what the hell? That doesn't make any sense. Like, sure. it's just players like this don't come around, man. And when they do, they almost always are just rock stars. Like, it's just like you see them and you're like, oh, you're just different. <laughs> like, I, it's it sounds so hockey man like as yeah. an answer, but it truly is. It's like he's just different. All those intangibles, all the all of those things. It's just like every box is checked. It's just like nature decided to not pick you or something if you don't become like a franchise player like he's as close to generational as you get without being generational yeah so we had to do another quick break uh sam when we come back i have one final question regarding adam fantilli and then we can talk about your go your boy gavin brindley also of the university of michigan um so stay tuned to locked on red wings Segment three, Locked on Red Wings podcast. We're joined by Sam McGilligan of McKean's Hockey. My last question regarding Adam Fantilli is just like, if you try, and I know comparables aren't like a great metric to measure a player, but fans love comparables. They love having an image of something they already know when referring to a player coming into the league. If you had to pick a comparable for Adam Fantilli, what's the closest you can think of? That's legitimately a tough one. I'm terrible with player comparisons you don't have a worse less like equipped person to answer this one properly just because the deep hmm i don't want to say jack eichel because i feel like jack eichel is more of a comparison of like prospect status like high high level number two in like a generational prospects number one but there are like similarities to their game not they don't skate the same way. Jack Eichel's got that like exceptionally powerful deep stride where he takes like three steps and he somehow 
covered the whole zone. <laughs> but Fantilli and Eichel have this like I do, I don't know how to say it, and it probably isn't even a thing if I looked into it more. But I guess I'll say it like this: they have the I dominated college like aspect to their game and i think that creates a bit of a unique player compared to people coming out of other leagues where it's like they played at a junior level when other people are playing junior sorry like they played their draft season against ncaa which is in my if you want to call it a junior league which i don't know if you should or not but it's like semi-pro i don't know whatever it is it's the best version of that league that's not a pure pro league in the world it's the best non-pro league in the world so dominating that league gives you this weird balance of like you got away with doing stuff that you couldn't do in a pro league and you also got all of the pro habits that the ncaa will instill in you that you won't get in the ohl or ushl or something like that and it creates these weird dynamics where a player can just utilize all of their tools in whatever way they want i guess who do you guys think is like the best example of a center with just insane reach and skill and can just pull the puck back and manipulate it through like anybody because all the examples i'm thinking of aren't as big as fantilly i mean it's the same problem that you went with which is why i asked you what you yeah, thought it, your comparables were because like everyone who dominates that are like generational talents in the league exactly, and you, like, you always so like wanna, you always want to like come off of comparing him to like somebody of like austin matthews or mcdavid's talents I was going to say I was also going to lead with Jack Eichel just because of all the all the draft comparables. But like you said, the draft comparables don't equate to the same type of player. It is tough. And that's why comparables aren't great as a player. Not that I I don't like this one too much, but this is the one that stuck in my head. The second you said the question, there are Joe Thornton esque tendencies in him. Where it's like Thornton that's a name I haven't heard in a while. Yeah, like Thornton <laughs> is not a dude you get compared to lightly because he has such a unique play style. But Thornton had just insane reach manipulation, like the way he could just alter his like release angle and move the puck around while also shielding guys off. And there was a lot of skill there, and it was the vision too. Like Thornton was, he was god tier passer. Like he was just next level, like so little I've ever been. And Fantilli. Like he can pull off those types of passes sometimes. I don't know if he'll ever be as pure a passer as Thornton. You're talking about legitimately one of the greatest passers that have ever played the game of hockey. But like, if I'm trying to just kind of paint that picture, it's like I could see if Joe Thornton was drafted and developed in like today's NHL. I wonder if that player looks a bit more like Fantilli does than his usual self. But I don't know. Player comps are tricky. You find the guy who looks like them, and then you either can overrate them or underrate them as a result. You try and find a guy who's like equal in terms of skill and status, and it stops looking like the actual player themselves. And but I don't know, some weird Eichel Thornton hybrid that's just got some. You but like even that only describes like fifty percent of them. The other fifty percent is just pure fantilia. I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> Fair enough. Relative so- to a player. So you, when we were talking on Twitter, trying to set up this interview, you, you mentioned that you wanted to throw some Gavin Brindley love in there. And this is a player that I think a lot of people don't really know a lot about because he's projected to go a little bit later in the first round. People like late teens, early 20s, someone the Red Wings could probably get with their second first round pick, assuming the Islanders don't make a run for the cup um, because they hold the Islanders first round pick for this draft. He is a right wing with the University of Michigan, five foot nine, 157 pounds. He's a right-handed shot. Uh, he had 38 points in 41 games, 12 goals, 26 assists with the Wolverines. Sam, why do you love this kid so much? Favorite player in the draft. Wow. And, yeah, like actually my favorite player in the draft. I, I've had to 
have this conversation with myself like a week or two ago. I'm like, last year it was Lane Hudson. Who is it this year? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's Gavin Brindley, man. This guy is unreal. I don't know if I, I feel like I have a very different read on fan, uh, Brindley from a lot of other people, especially when I'm looking around public lists and I'm not seeing him in spots where I was expecting. I see him sometimes like high tens, low teens, sometimes even in the twenties. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, bro, I think he's like seventh or eighth. Like I'm fully locked on get it with uh, Gavin Brindley <laughs> as a top 10 guy. I don't know if I've ever seen a better example in recent memory of a smaller player who does everything you have to do to play bigger than you are or impact the game. Like he's bigger. He is a gifted skater. Like he's beautiful skater. He has speed. He has the quick stop or the quick starts after a stop the directional mobility is insane. The ability to just like fake directional changes and then just like keep the, without actually transferring his weight, get people to buy the weight fake and then just like slip past them. His hands keep up with his feet at every moment. Doesn't matter if he's like dancing around a dude laterally, like spinning off of him or coming out of a turn. He's just flying up as fast as he can, but his hands aren't like your typical small guy hands. Like you watch, Patrick Kane and those types of players and they they got such quick hands that it's just like firing off dangles out of everything. Brindley is like strict control. Like he does not sacrifice it's you know how people always compliment Adam Fox for underhandling the puck? Mm-hmm. How like he does not do anything but just hold it in the perfect spot the entire time until someone challenges him and then he just goes whoop. <laughs> that's kind of like Brindley. He's the same thing. He just he holds it in the perfect spot, and someone comes by, and he's just like, "Whoop, okay, I got this one." He doesn't have the reach that Fox has, and that's a little questionable. But he just he turns and evades pressure so well. He spent his whole draft year as a five nine, one hundred and fifty pound player up against NCAA guys, and he made them look weak. Not because he's so strong, but because his habits protect him so well he get he like he turns off of guys but he gets his like his inside hip on them and he pushes up so his back doesn't even have to do a lot of the work i mean he's still obviously it is but the he gets his inside hip positioning on them and he just like manages to just just keep them off of him long enough to make a player make a read he's not looking to create offense at all time. He's just looking at making sure his team has the puck and it's always being moved into the right spot. Cause like you can't create offense out of every play and he knows this. So that's the difference between so many junior and pro players. This is a big problem with like smaller players in general is like, they just don't get the frequency of chances in spots. They like to make plays like a lot of small guys, they get the puck in junior they're always in the same spots and they can just do whatever they want with them they're used to one defender being here one here there's a trailing guy coming in i can solve any problem no matter what they do but then in the nhl it's like shit i'm not getting into the spot enough i'm just like not getting there and brinley has just said okay well i just won't play a game that's relying on that whatsoever i will always be helping play i will always be setting it up getting teammates the puck in space while they're moving so that they can make plays i will do whatever it takes and then when it looks like we can actually score then i will go and do something dangerous and every time he manages to make it look so seamless he starts the year off as a 
not low scoring, but not a high production winger. He looks like he's just really good at moving the puck around and making plays off the perimeter and kind of getting pucks inside, but maybe not coming up with dangerous chances. And he slowly adds that to his game. Then slowly adds a bit more rush offense. Then he goes to the World Juniors, which no one even expected him to be on in the first place because he's a draft eligible five foot nine hockey player. <laughs> like that just doesn't happen, especially with Team USA and the options they had. But I don't know. Okay, now he's there. Okay, so he starts on the fourth line. It's a checking role. Okay, Brindley's the guy connecting all the plays, and USA's top nine a little stagnant. Move him up. Next game, third line. All right, now he's somehow changed his game. Still the guy on this line. All right, now we need him in the top six. He's just leapfrogging over draft eligible prospects. It's not even close. Then he's just dynamic all tournament long in the top six. Goes back to Michigan. They're like, you played really well there. Throws them with Fantilli. They become just this unstoppable duo for a stretch of the season. Brindley's scoring totals jump. And of course, part of it's because he's playing with Fantilli. But Fantilli's numbers jump because Brindley complimented them better than any other winger, I thought. they Both of them played at their best with each other. Because Fantilli just knew Brindley was... Like, the amount of no-look plays they could make with each other, knowing the other one was going to be there, which is insane. You can't read those as a defense, and these guys just build off those sequences. It's crazy watching them do it. A lot of Brindley's goals are just, like, perfectly timed cuts, catch-and-release shots, tap-ins around the net. He doesn't, like, beat people with pure snipes, but he doesn't kind of have to. It's not his game. There's plays Brindley makes where he's just kind of, like, a puck kind of, like, bounces towards him, but it's not settled. It's, like, kind of chaotic a bit so he tries to catch it and it kind of bounces a bit but his like recovery when things go wrong is incredible there's a play i'll try and send it to you guys after this if i can find it where a puck kind of like bounces through a defender's skate and brinley's in the slot and he's about to go and he's trying to set up a pass to who's coming down on the right wing but he flubs it so he just kind of like everything in one super smooth motion catches it on his backhand instead and just spins and no look passes it to the left and there's a guy there and he scores off of it it's just like (laughs) wait what that wasn't even what he tried to do and it's clear that's not what he wanted to do or at least that's not how he wanted to do it but he still made it work and there's plays like this where i'm like matthew wood is a good player and he plays ncaa too and he's going in getting top 10, top 15 consideration in the draft. And Matthew Wood does not have the ability to do what Brindley was doing all year long. It's just like, it's the size bias kind of coming back into play. And every year I kind of understand it a bit more, why smaller players slip, what the issues projecting them are. And now I've realized Brindley is like designed in a lab to circumvent all of those (laughs) issues and is like the epitome of the small guy I want to draft. Like he's just fantastic. It's very clear that we should have given you more time to talk about Burnley than we did <laughs> because it, this is clearly the guy that you really wanted to talk about this episode. I love Gavin Burnley, man. If, <laughs> if he slips by, like, I don't know. I was watching the Tampa Bay Toronto series just like last night and every all three t- games that I've watched of this series, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, man, I can so see Gavin Burnley playing in this <laughs> series in like three years from now on either team, but Tampa specifically, just the way Tampa plays is like Brindley's just studied them for like six years. Is like, that's, that's my style right there. I can play that game. Like I, you see like the Palots and the Kalorns and they're not like scoring the way you think they are, but they're just so good. And they just, things are always going in their favor when they're on the ice. And Brindley's just that same type of player. So much of it's just done off the puck, but he's better skater than them all too. Oh, kid's a rock star, but don't get me wrong. Fantilli is just like levels above him because Fantilli is 
a lip, like a god, but Fantilli's Fantilli. Yeah, Fantilli is Fantilli. Like you uh, just you don't top it. Well, we got to wrap things up uh, and head on into Tuesday's episode. So, Scotty, you have any final thoughts for Sam? Uh, I don't think so, man. Appreciate you coming on as always. Well, uh, definitely won't be the last time before the draft either. No, we have a lot of other guys we got to get to. Uh, Sam, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today and giving us insight on Fantilli and Brindley. Cause I think as I stated, and it was honest for myself as well, this is a player that a lot of us haven't given the time of day. So we got some good information out of you. Uh, you want to plug some stuff? Where can people find you? I, as always, well, first, thank you for having me. But uh, as always, you can find me at Twitter at Sam underscore McGilligan, M-C-G-I-L-L-I-G-A-N. I feel like I have to spell it because it doesn't people mess that up more than <laughs> I thought they would. Uh, I have a Substack, which is just Sam McGilligan at Substack dot com or no dot. Sub, I don't know. It's one of them. It's whatever the Substack <laughs> format is for a URL. <laughs> uh, and then McKean's Hockey and Puck Preps as well. Just work coming out for them. And. Yeah, I don't got more to plug than that. It's low Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Um, again, thank you so much, Sam. Thank Appreciate you, you coming me, on. Scotty, what do we do? We ball. We ball, baby. We'll be back with a new episode tomorrow. Uh, we're going to be starting our player grades. I know you guys were anxiously awaiting us assessing every single player on the roster and giving them uh, grades for how we saw, thought they did this year. So stay tuned for that. Same time, same place. It's your team every day. Every day.